0: Oscar Robertson, three-offs What a year it has been. The Bucs are the world champions. Ray Allen's riding past Armstrong.
1: The jam over to Grady. Ooh. Two seconds.
0: Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Happy birthday, Jason. Campus paces up the ground. has to fail, the foul. And a pelican ball throws it down. Step back three from the top. Got it. Got it. Giannis ties the game and becomes the Bucks' all-time leading scorer on one stroke. It's been a 50-year journey, Wisconsin. We've got a room at the top of the world tonight. The Milwaukee
1: Bucks are in champions
2: we're gonna play basketball and win and win yeah how many games six we're gonna be we're gonna win a six hello welcome to episode 378 of the win six podcast proudly a part of the eurostep podcast network and the blue R podcast family i'm your host adam mcgee and joining me as always is my friend and co-host jordan tresky hello there jordan hello how you doing Doing well. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Bucks are doing well. Three and one since we last spoke. 18 and six record, 24 games into their season. One game back from the Celtics in the last column. Having played, I mean, a handful, not quite a full handful, Jordan, but you know, a few fingers full uh, of games fewer than the Boston Celtics, but very much kind of keeping pace with them in what seems like a, an Eastern Conference race that is probably going to have some separation from the pack very soon. I mean, certainly beyond the Cavs, there's already separation, um, but even the gap to the Cavs could grow. What have you tell the Bucks over the past week, Jordan?
3: You know, I thought they've been pretty good. Um, yeah, they've been pretty good. Uh, it stinks that they lost probably the most interesting game of the last week, I would say. Uh, the Lakers and their resurgence led by Darvin Ham. I've always wanted him to take that job. I always wanted to take that Lakers job. Um, <laughs> I, um, but of course, it's great to see Chris back. We obviously talked about that last week and just how the many changes, the the ripple effects of, of bringing someone as major as that back into the fold. Um, even the games that they, you know, Giannis sat, Chris sat, Drew sat, Brooke sat against the Magic, um, Chris, and Drew sat against the Hornets. Um, I thought, again, we're positive. It just kind of, again, it shows the depth of this team, you know, against, you know, the cellar dwellers, like the Hornets and the Magic, but, um it's it's one of those weeks where it's like it doesn't feel like anything notable happened but then you just realize oh yeah chris came back a, a week a week ago and it just feels like he's been there the whole time um and it kind of hitting this part where we're more than what or gearing up to like get to like a third of the season and they've had so many injuries and absences and obviously chris coming back last week and everything like that now it's like okay you got through that stretch now it is real bucks time and it's it that's why it just feels so fractured where it's like you're dealing with so many different things going on the first third of the season that what come what january february and then you'll have the all-star break i think everything's just kind of ramping up ramping up ramping up that they're trying to time it right and i think i don't know how to describe it but i think we'll kind of feel it too when things start to really gel and i again they're already (laughs) doing really well so it just sounds like i'm uh wanting more and more and more but I think that's what this team is capable of and obviously going for it too.
2: Yeah I mean I think there's some interesting takeaways already from the first week of Chris being back in spite of the fact that we have one really pretty ugly game for him at least in a shooting and scoring perspective and he is clearly working his way back and I think the same still applies for Pat it's fair to say yeah um but even with a game where Giannis doesn't play, Chris doesn't play, Drew doesn't play, others uh, too, I feel like. I'm forgetting. I mean, Marjan was still out. Serge was out in that Hornets game, um, which was kind of a pretty ugly, let's grind it out. And Bobby and Brooke taking on their fair share of kind of the extra workload there. Jordan Wara having a good game. Javon mm-hmm. stepping up again. Even with that, and that being a pretty low-scoring game, I do think it is somewhat noteworthy that the books have moved up three spots in offensive rating over the past week. Um, if you're to look, which is a small sample size, which is for the last seven days in the NBA, so since Chris returned, the books are fourth in offensive rating, which is considerably better than the kind of 15 to 20 range and really leaning more towards the 20 range that they have found themselves in most of the season so far. So even without him, not necessarily playing his best in shooting and scoring capacity, you can already see just the positive influence it has on the Bucks offense by having him out there. We'll talk specifically about Chris shortly. And uh, I I'm not going to pat myself on the back too much, Jordan. But I do think what I hoped kind of first and foremost is to just see him come in and facilitate. I mean, he's been passing the ball really well. He's coming up with a lot of assists right now. And I think that's a pretty smart way for him to bet himself back in, get a feel for things and then work his shot back and get into a scoring rhythm from there. And it's also the kind of thing the books have missed and someone like Giannis has missed in terms of making life easier for him and having a player of Chris's ability, commanding the attention that he does that can kind of Free up Giannis, but also free up Drew, get wider open shots for Grayson, whatever it might be. Now, one thing, I guess, before we go into any more specifics, and we'll talk Giannis in a moment to think first. One thing that when I was just taking a look through and diving into the numbers, and I'm like, okay, well, we are, as you mentioned just before we, we started recording, we're past the, the quarter mark of this season. So who are, who are the books? Who are the 2022, 23 books? Obviously, we haven't seen them with Chris for more than three games. So that is something that we're still waiting for an answer for. But I do think there's a shape, kind of general shape, outline of who the books might be this year starting to form. One thing that to me is interesting, and I, I don't know, I think I'll keep an eye on. I don't know if it's great is that their pace is down quite a bit from last year. Their bottom half, just about really middle of the pack, I guess, uh, in terms of pace so far this season, Um, coming in at about six fewer possessions per 48 minutes than the mark they would have had last year. That's interesting. Um, I mean, i I won't put too much stock on it beyond that, but as Chris works back, and gets really healthy and pack gets healthy and guys kind of get their legs under them. I wonder, does that go up in part? Are you able to push more in transition? Is Giannis able to take on more of, I guess the traditional Giannis role in that capacity too. We have touched on some sense that is he kind of conserving energy at times. Um, Definitely, definitely a factor, but I'm, gonna be interested to see where the books kind of come out in terms of do they climb those ranks do they move somewhat closer to i guess what we'd kind of expect for them which is under bud and in the Mm -hmm. last couple of years high-paced team Uh, maybe part of that too though is changing some of the rebounding emphasis and that's gonna factor in if you're if you're putting more weight on offensive boards well then you're you're pushing and you're you're having leaving players forward you're not getting back where if you're a real defensive board focused team which previous iterations of the books have been um well then you've got everyone back and maybe you can go and push the pace and run because you're getting the rebounds we'll see how that one kind of pans out i think it's an interesting detail for a books team who've been kind of a staple top five in pace and past two to three seasons it feels like anyway for them to be down uh, middle of the pack, bottom half, is interesting to this point in the year. Let's go to Giannis, though. Um, making what is the effort that we we try to do. Um, it's more of a Eurostep bit than it is a Win and Six bit to just remember and try to remind ourselves on Mike that we should probably talk about Giannis. Yannis is averaging 32 point. 1 points per game this season and he is currently in the midst of an 8 consecutive game streak of 30 plus point games that has him tied with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the second longest such run in books history and the leader in that category is of course also Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with a whopping 16 straight games of 30 points or more I don't know if Yannis is going to get to that one yet Jordan, Uh, that would be some truly spectacular stuff. Part of that is also, it's not like, oh, well, he'll have a bad game here or there. Giannis is often, you know, in the Bud era, there have been times where he has a good game going and he gets a chance to go to the bench and rest up long before maybe he gets what could be his 30 or 31st points of the game. But he is scoring with considerable ease. Uh, Everything to me seems considerably slowed down for him when he gets the ball just in terms of i i don't think defenses are getting not just as much but any real success in the old-fashioned ways of stopping him inside i for me it's like is he processing the game better faster than he ever has before it's hard to really pin that down but I, i do think there could be something there And all this is coming again with something we have talked about. I don't think he's been anywhere near his best lately. I think there's certainly another gear and he can push himself. He probably won't do that until closer to the end of the regular season and into the playoffs. But eight straight games of 30 points or more, which is just one off Luka Doncic for the, the high of any NBA player this season. So Giannis can tie that one next time out against Luka Doncic's Dallas Mavericks. Um, potentially, what have you thought of Giannis recently? What do you think of just how easily he's scoring points in bunches right now?
3: Um, just because I have to, um, Kareem had 43, at least 30 point games in 1971 72, he also had 14, 40. Point plus games and five fifty point plus games, so we're go. talking about sixty one games of the year, sixty two. Sorry, sixty two. Um, that is that's where you got to meet Giannis. <laughs> Good luck. Um, no, I think I think effortless is kind of the word that I would describe Giannis's tear, um, especially scoring. It has certainly helped that uh, he's found it at the free throw line. Just throwing that out there.
2: Um, I didn't want to say it. I mean, I, I don't think of myself as a wrong Cotty-esque figure. Um, I mean, it's not just the free throw line. Some shots just going through going through the hoop at the moment for Giannis generally. Uh, Three-pointers mm-hmm. last two games um are two of the last three three of the last three two of the last three
3: three of the last four but he also took eight against the mix
2: yeah but that's further back the last two games um two for four and two for two from deep nine for ten from the free throw line and eight for eleven from the free throw line like that's yeah, that does help. And if that all goes wrong, you can at Jordan Tresky on, on Twitter for bringing it up.
3: <laughs> um, I was gonna put up the free throw percentage, percentages from the latter game because even Giannis was talking about the latter game after I believe it was the what game was it? Who did they just play? Am I blanking? Oh, Kings, done. Kings. Um, yeah, he talked about how. Something about like he knew that he had to lock in mentally a little bit more, get a little bit more focused. Ever since that, and uh, needless to say, whether it was pushing down that ladder or Mantras Harold doing Mantras Harold things, it jarred him of saying, for him saying, "Hey, I'm Giannis Antetokounmpo. I can do whatever I want in this damn league." And uh, yeah, that is that is certainly. Showing
2: the last eight games Yeah, it's It's definitely trending in the right way uh, 75.3% Over those last eight games hmm. Um And uh, Trending upwards Even since, you got last five 77.3% So, yeah, I don't want to talk and About, about this too much five, I wish you didn't bring five, it up. 10 second
3: violations So,
2: you know, you take the go with the got Look, if you got a are you missing any at all? I mean, if he wants to pepper in a couple of those and make all the other ones, like if he's going eight for 10, we'll take Wayne it if the, two, the two not going through or violations.
3: Yeah. He's, you, it's, you missed 100% of the free throw shots you don't take because you took, you committed 10 second violations.
2: He should actually just make that his whole deal is no, I never miss. Sometimes I just don't take them.
3: Oh. That would be great. I actually I would I would lead in on that even further. That would be
2: amazing. It would require him to make all of the ones he does take, which is quite a challenge, but maybe he's up to <laughs> that right now.
3: Three out of four ain't bad.
2: Three out of four. That will that will do the trick. I think we've all talked for quite a long time. If Giannis was consistent, even a 70% free throw shooter with the rate he gets there. And I mean he he generally does come close to that. It's just there can be some ups and downs, and the ups and downs, if they don't come at the right times of the year, that could be very painful, very costly overall. Um, But yeah, the, the higher that percentage goes, the more margin for error you should have on that front too. I still, I do feel there's multiple multiple more gears here, and I wonder like, at what point we see them engaged. I don't necessarily expect them to go and push harder in a scoring sense. There's really no need to. Although, I'm a couple of years saying this now, and it really is true at this point, Janos is going to want a scoring title at some point, because he's done everything else. And To so. to be a scorer of the caliber that he is, and to be kind of in, in the realm of those kind of players, and in the vicinity of the mark required, I think if he's close as this season goes on, I know we've seen him need to do X on a final day, and he just like doesn't care, and the books don't care, but there isn't really a whole lot <laughs> nothing missing from his from his resume that he can just go and achieve like that and that is that is one that i wouldn't be surprised if the season goes on if he does start to think about a little bit because it it's there for him it's absolutely there for him if he wants it at any point in his career um, and if he wants to push for it beyond that though i would like to see his defense tick up i think that's the first thing if you're going to move up a gear and we're going to see greater intensity and greater energy. I think that might happen as Chris becomes more of himself because the points should get even easier on the other end. and it becomes something that he can do a little bit more of and expend a little bit more energy on that end of the floor. But yeah, the guy's, uh, he's pretty good, Jordan. He's pretty good. He's, he's motoring along nicely and remains the clear driving force of the books. We talked about Chris
3: let's talk about chris
2: chris has kind of been what i would have expected in that it hasn't all been very pretty um i would also add to that i like how he's doing it which is again getting back to what i alluded to earlier which is one of the things the books have missed is just the ability for someone else to embrace a higher responsibility, higher usage offensive role. And that doesn't necessarily always mean taking the shots, but that can be creating for others. And to this point, I mean Chris coming back averaging six assists per game through his first three games. And I think pretty evenly distributed as well. Off the top of my head, I feel like he's having a seven assist game, a six assist game and a five assist game. And he's he's only averaging 27 just over 27 minutes. Uh very, very good. And some of what the books were certainly missing and some of the kind of just extra juice to the offense to, again, just open up some different looks, some different opportunities, and maybe not have Giannis and Drew just feel the kind of oppressive weight of having to create everything for the books throughout the game. Uh, any thoughts on how Chris has looked, how he's slotting in? Um,
3: 18 assists to three turnovers, by the way. So, six yeah, that's to one. It's just a turnover very ratio, very efficient. Uh, exactly what the Bucks have needed. Um, to your point, it just frees up Javon from having to not dribble into no man's land or George or whoever else. Um, I think, <clears throat> sorry, getting emotional over here. Um, <laughs> I think Chris, yeah, I I would say this is kind of what I expected. I think the shot is going to come and go on games, and it's part of the process of coming back from such a huge layoff. Um, I think defensively I've been very impressed with him. I think it's not just a matter of rotations or who he's matched up on, but, like, I forget what game it was. It might have been the Lakers game, actually. Um. And King's game, and King's game. He there's like these possessions where he's one on one in the post, he's battling and trying to, you know, I guess weaponize his size a little bit and and his length in terms of just like bothering guys that want to, you know, just get buckets down low and all that stuff. Some a little bit on like some bonus on some on some possessions and that kind of worked. And I don't know, stuff like that that kind of I was like, huh. That's, I don't think we've seen it a lot, but we've seen that occasionally. And it's just nice to see that he's kind of been really, I don't know, uh, overtaking those, like what people would say, mismatches or whatever the case may be. Um, Yeah, I think more so it's Chris coming back. It's right now it's about the cumulative effect. It's about what it means. And we're seeing like the offensive rating, just the overall efficiency guy Giannis I mean his use usage percentage right now is nearing on 40 percent and some of that is with Chris <laughs> games going on but when Giannis has the ball for that much and had to do that for what 22 23 games um that's a lot. That's a lot of why <laughs> it takes a lot out of you and why we are just like, Giannis, we want to see more from Giannis. We want to see him locked in defensively because, I mean, there have been nights where it's like, are you really engaged on this end of the floor? For Chris to come back into A, obviously work the ball tremendously. He had this one out this pass, I think it was against the Lakers, that was like, I don't know how he <laughs> did it. It was amazing. It was just just went into Giannis's arms like this full court length pass, and Giannis just went up with him and just jammed it away. Um, stuff like that that they just missed and just. John's got
2: a look at QB for your order podcast. Well, uh, Brian
3: Gutekunst said that he would put out um, the best quarterback that gives them the best chance of winning. What, uh, Chris, Chris Milton? Milton, Chris Milton's in that conversation. I uh, Dare I say? Um. But yeah, it's more so the cumulative effect of having Chris back and just how much it eases pressure off of everybody and puts everybody in their, I guess, designed roles when you have a full-strength team. Um, and that's not all. That Xmas su- surprises surprise is brewing. I see you, Joe Ingles, going to the herd.
2: I see those assignments. On-court so- <laughs> work before books games, too. They're not that's always the telltale sign with the books when they're uh, they're not like hiding you anymore. When it doesn't become yeah. so cloak and dagger. When they're prepared to show the people that yes, Joe Ingalls does in fact exist. Um, yeah, they that... may not say
3: much, but they they say it through their actions. And who's who's getting assigned where, who and where? Well, the assigned
2: and... is saying a lot. I mean, yeah, you're you're being very public with that, and they. I don't know. Do, are other teams using that as often? I guess the books have been pretty injured with notable players and that that pops. But I, I don't know if other teams are using their affiliates in a practice sense, the way the books are. I'm particularly for high profile players. But that's, that's something I appreciate.
3: to the Warriors affiliate, and I don't think it's necessarily
2: the same thing. It's not necessarily the same thing. <laughs> I just, like, I'm trying to think of a high-profile player who's coming back soon. I'm trying to blank, but there probably is someone elsewhere. I, I wonder what the reaction would be if they were assigned to their minor league affiliate, where it feels like the books have done a very good job of just making that a normal part of rehab and removing some of the stigma that used to be there for G League assignments generally. And maybe part of that is also this idea of um, particularly with what we saw with Chris where it's like every time Chris is going, well, Tanassas and Marjan were going as well. So you're, you're sending a group of NBA players there to go and get some run as opposed to just, Oh, you're there and you're going to play some games there, which is a totally different thing too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I just think
3: it's, it's going to come in time. We caution not see, you're not going to see the old Chris Milton right away. Um but from what we have seen in three games, I just think he just has slotted in and has made things better for the likes of Giannis and Drew in particular, but it just goes on and down the line. Especially when you when you see the games that they they lost or you know, all the zones and crowds that just line up for Giannis, it was just getting it was getting near like 2019-20 um bucks. Bud years of just like, oh, they're really going in on all that. And then it's just a matter of bucks hitting shots. And some nights they will, some nights they will miss horribly. Um, just having a guy that can facilitate hit shots, do the very Chris Middleton things that we've come to expect is is so needed for this team. And then to have we'll, we'll get to Joe Engels down the line, but like that is kind of a, another precipitous, you know, do it all kind of guy and hope. Hopefully, he can hang in defensively um, at this stage, but like that just frees up their offense way more. And I just, I don't know. That, as we talked about so many times, that is the key to the playoffs going the way that they hope is that their offense holds up, hits shots, does a little bit of everything. I mean, you could even say with their pace being down as much, they're more equipped to playing playoff basketball than they ever have been before um not sure what else i would make of that but that is interesting um but yeah just i again i'm still probably in chris honeymoon mode of just like hey it's great to see him out there but it also feels like he's been out there the whole season
2: <laughs> i i do think there should be like a month of that though for everyone like i i think there's just a need to be realistic here and to keep the overall target and goal in mind. Nothing is going to be gained by fans or the books, I think, freaking out about how he looks after four, five, ten games is where I guess things start to become real, and you're like, okay, you should be building up conditioning.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform
2: The other thing I want to talk about here is um, the books have an absolutely killer schedule coming up. Things are going to get very, very interesting. I don't know if there's a more daunting run that they're going to have, starting with the next game. So you're on the road to Dallas, on the road to the Rockets, which is honestly the only game between now and Christmas where you're like, okay, yeah, well, if they want to rest players, maybe do it there, because I don't know where else you're going to be doing it. So on the road to Dallas, on the road to Houston. Home to the Warriors, on the road to the Grizzlies, home to the Jazz, on the road against the Pelicans, the Cavs, the Nets, and then the Celtics on Christmas Day. Uh, Every is... other
3: game too. Yeah,
2: that's that's brutal. Um, now the books are good enough to honestly come through that with how many games is it? Five, six, seven, eight, nine are probably good enough to potentially come true at seven and two six and three in what's one of the tougher spells they're gonna face it must be actually the toughest i don't i don't know what could be tougher than that all year um because it's not just quality teams and star players but it's very much road heavy you have only got two of those games at home and even the other side of that you've got a bulls game which is not difficult uh but it is on the road um, and then January, we'll see some more home games further on the road again. Like, it's really true to mid-January. This team is going to be away from Fiserv Forum an awful lot. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? And maybe even also about it coming at this time. I suppose it's better Chris having a few games under his belt, Pat having two, two and a half weeks under his belt going into this. But it is going to be kind of a leveling up of opponents. Compared to a week that is included like the Hornets and the Magic? I mean, that's a big, big question.
3: Um, they definitely snuck in uh, Giannis, Chris, and Drew sitting in that Hornets game, even though they have always done that with a home and road back to back like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're playing every other day. As you mentioned, the opponents that they're playing are pretty tough. Um, Utah is sprinkled in there too. Like they have. Is that home game or away game? That's, that and the Warriors
2: are the only home games.
3: Ah, okay. I was going to say that is the famed Utah.
2: No, thankfully they won't have to deal with Altitude as part of that trip. That would have been yeah. a problem.
3: But yeah, th- this is it's kind of designed for Chris to come back and I'm not going to pencil in Joe Ingles just yet, even though he might be a Christmas surprise. Um, but yeah, it's, it's certainly great that they're getting as healthy as they can be. Um, I know Wes has been dealing with health and safety protocols and hasn't played the last few games even before that too. So, yeah, just having everybody in the fold. It's great to see Marjan surge back too because Lord knows we're probably going to see them. Um, I think there's going to be some games where to help uh, guys like George Hill, Brooke, Bobby, not necessarily as much, but like Everybody's going to need at least like a game where they kind of, you know, shorten up their minutes and everything like that. So, yeah, this is going to be a big, big road trip for
2: sure. Yeah. And I mean, the only teams they face in either conference that are outside of playoff spots, not even play in spots, are the Rockets, who have the worst record in the West, and then the Mavs and the Warriors, who are in play in spots. Like, everyone else is in top six. So, you're you're checking off a lot of that, and you've just, like, out west, so as we record this, you've got the Pelicans in first place, you're going to face them. Suns second, Grizzlies third, you're going to face them. Nuggets fourth, Kings in fifth, you just play them. Jazz at sixth, and you're going to play them. And flip it to the east, Celtics at top, you're going to play them. Books are second. Cavs in third, you're going to play them. Nets in fourth, you're going to play them. So, it's very very daunting and it should tell us a whole lot i mean if the books can continue to get healthier i mean they're very close to everyone being available um but that's not even really what i'm talking about in getting healthier i mean everyone getting to full health and their best and kind of as sharp as they can they can look and good results come in you can really kind of Take over here like this could be a run where if you get wins in this game where you close some ground for sure on the Celtics and you start to look, OK, well, do we want to be the number one seed this year um, on the Celtics Jordan on your Boston Celtics for many years now? They're obviously very, very good. That goes out saying. Where are you at on them overall, though, like just in terms of real bigger picture? I know we've got a question or two in the mailbag about this as well. Um, but at this moment, it does feel like something of a collision course coming up. Honestly, in terms of like purely competitive, that Christmas Day game is shaping up to be one of the better Christmas Day games I can remember. Like you you can have rivalries, you could have repeats of the finals the previous year. I remember them doing all that, but not generally something as kind of, it's, it may well have the immediacy that, for example, winner of that game could be top of the East on that day. They're both very likely to still be, you know, clear of the rest of the team. in the East, but both conferences, is the two best teams in the league. And they do have the playoff history of having battled it out in a seven-game series last year. So I don't think it gets better than that for Christmas Day, but where are you at on the Celtics, Jordan? Let's go. Um... Yeah, I I'm holding my mic. Sorry. He's holding his what? mic. If he's got louder for anyone, this is being serious business.
3: The this is the championship. I've stated already. The West is all sorts of screwed up. The Bucks and the Celtics, who if they play against each other, which that is what you have to
2: do to get out of the East. Oh. <laughs> um, I mean the odds are probably that still even more so if they're number one and number two someone could upset the other, one or the other along the way. And, you know, you're, it is true. as opposed to, as opposed to last year where it's like, okay, there only needs to be one round of the two teams taking care of business. Like we've, we've seen this. I don't know if with a team quite as good as the Celtics and a team quite as good as the books recently, but we have seen versions of this. I mean, one of the better ones and one that we've certainly had fun laughing about over the years has been the Sixers. And every time the Sixers are supposed to be, yeah, it's book Sixers. Well, the Sixers always do a fantastic job of just getting out of the way as quick as they possibly can, so that a rivalry can actually develop there. Um, Which is sad, because I would like a role reversal of the 80s, where they see the Sixers all the time in the playoffs and they just relentlessly beat them into the ground. Um But yeah, I, I think it feels like the Celtics are, are going to go there for real, but I, I think come playoffs, still, if you're if you're looking at a one and a two, yeah, logic suggests you get there, but you've got four opportunities for an upset that that stops you getting to that point too. Like if from from a book's point of view, the Celtics being as good as they are, you want to get one of the top two seats, like more yeah. so than it than in other years, because you want to give yourself one every chance that maybe you avoid them, but two also. Like, to get into your own rhythm and to be the team that you need to be. And if you're playing them, it's conference finals and you're you're one series away. Yeah.
3: One and two, two to tango. Um, Yeah, this is... it. That is definitely the game that I am eyeing up on this whole trip of... It is a measuring stick game by considerable margin because the league is in a very parity driven states and outside of a few teams, you don't really know who are going to be contending for a championship this year or who can go far. It's part of the fun, but it also is part of the frustration of just like, are you beating good teams? Are you beating bad teams? Because we can easily talk about the, some of the teams that the Bucks are going to face on this road trip in particular. Where do they finish by the end of the year? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, it's a very Everything's very fluid, so then when you have a game like that Celtics game in, in two weeks and two days, um, you want to see them come out on top. The, the Celtics have had the eighth hardest schedule, the Bucks' strength of schedule ranks 27th. Um, so that is. Another factor to consider here. Obviously, they were without Chris too. So there's...
2: yeah, I was about to say, Jordan. I was I'm about saying, to, I know, to I know. go at you as a Boston Celtics fan that you are and say, Yeah, but the Bucks. which is this is the this is the story of Bucks Celtics. The Bucks were missing Chris Middleton, Jordan. That's I have to say I, about I, that.
3: I agree. I agree. Also, very home home heavy schedule for the Bucks in the first uh to whatever games that they're at, 24. Um so that is probably, I would assume, goes into the strength of schedule. Whatever the case may be, I'm looking at that Celtics game, an Eastern Conference Finals preview. Um, yeah, we'll get when as we get near to it, I'll I'll ramp up my energy. But I have my eyes on them. I see them. I see will, all the talk. Will,
2: will you answer? Do you think they are as good as they have been? Uh, for example, do you think they are uh, near? 120 offensive rating team because i really don't and I, I i think they're an excellent team like i'm not saying they're going to drop off colossally but even when you look at some of the individual performance i believe malcolm brogdon is shooting only 50 percent from three. um we know he's a good three point shooter but like this this is still a team to me that in some ways i feel like they are working at a level that is pushing things harder than the books are quite clearly and they're in a groove that it may not even be a conscious decision of the books being like, Oh, well we're saving it till later. And the Celtics being like, well, we're hungry after what happened to finish last season. Let's go now. But we've been true probably more than Celtics fans in recent years, the, the ups and downs of sometimes you catch fire at the wrong point of the season. And when the time it really matters, you haven't, you haven't gone bad. It's not like you're a bad team, but you've just cooled off to the point where the magic isn't there. Like I've I think we have seen exactly this Celtic season, which is possibly what's giving me a little bit of suspicion there of I don't know if anyone can stay this hot, this formidable for quite as long as they would need to starting out a year like this.
3: Yeah, I mean it just sucks losing a finals, you know. A feeling I can never relate to.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't know. I wasn't born in nineteen (laughs) seventy four. Um. Yeah, I, I, that is definitely
3: the question I've been wondering. Seeing them from, from afar, God knows I'm not going to watch the Celtics games until they play the Bucks. Sure. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've I have definitely had that thought. I mean, look at the Suns last year where they just flame out terribly and spectacularly. Um, and they have a lot of as much as you kind of look at Tatum and Jalen Brown as being young guys, still, they have a lot of older guys that if it doesn't, you know, if they're not playing as well as they are, they're hurt. And, it's, you know, we're talking about May and everybody's hurt at that point. Um, Malcolm Brogdon certainly has his own injury history as yeah, well yeah, sure. aware. Like, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I, I will be very interested to see if there's any kind of dip. I think, I believe I saw somewhere that their defense is starting to climb up too because they're getting healthy as well. So it's like, can they can they achieve that balance of being you know Bucks like of like top five offensive team and top five or higher defensive team? Um, time will tell. I, I certainly think they have the personnel to do it, but you never know. It's a long, 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 long season.
2: I also think Missoula might be pretty weird. I will we'll revisit that down the road. I don't know if that if that works in their favor or against them long term. But I think he could be a weird guy, Jordan. Um, also, but... I
3: believe three of their losses have come in overtime, which is kind of a weird
2: stat. Well, it means like you're essentially never losing. <laughs> like if we're to be fair about it, they're just I don't it's know. very rare.
3: Do they have the clutch gene? That's, have, that wear... is
2: certainly one way to look at it. Do uh, they wear clutch jeans? Is that what they do? Anything else? Will we go to the mailbag? I believe there's one thing. Well, I I didn't know if this is something we want to do before or after a mailbag. It kind of feels Ooh. like a good pod closer.
3: Okay. Yes.
2: I, I I was that's where I was going with that. I think it's it, maybe it's like the grand finale, you know, going forward. I... <laughs> people people who listened last week almost certainly know what it is, but if you don't, it's worth waiting <laughs> around for. Yeah. Um. Okay. We've got some questions. As, as always. Thanks to those who sent them in. First one from at Bobby Q and underscore. Who has more minutes at the end of the season? Grayson or Javon? Um do you want will will I give us the tallies where we're at the moment? I have it right here. It's six forty-two for Javon to five sixty-nine for Grayson. I See, have more I confidence this... in Javon, like for sure, being on the team at the end of the season. That is something that I'd consider factoring into the answer.
3: That's another factor. My my thing was going to be I have more confidence in Javon staying healthy over an eighty-two game season because Grayson misses some time, um, with whatever maladies or whatever thing. I would probably go Javon, um, because they're always going to need their backup point guard playing at least like 20 minutes. George Hill has kind of been phased out um, as people, as they're getting full strength too. It's not that he hasn't been phased out completely because I still think this team needs a George Hill type. Um, but Javon is taking on that kind of the role that I, I would imagine a lot of people wanted him in the subject series last year. Um, Grayson, those last, kind of...
2: those last four games, Jordan. So since the lineup changed. Which you were you were correct on, by the way. Let's you didn't get a chance to say that yet. So you were correct on our debate with Ty last week. Grayson um, did take his place as the the fifth starter upon Chris's return. So with Grayson missing a game in the last week, Javon playing in all four games. Javon only managed ten minutes more than Grayson.
1: Interesting. That's very
2: interesting. So. If the lineup sticks. Uh, although, yeah. you know, that tree of four games and the Grayson injury, I mean, that could feed into your argument too. Well, I think that would suggest though it's probably gonna be really close.
3: Yeah, it's gonna be a razor thin. Um, and there's gonna be some games where Grayson's gonna be needed if he's hitting the lights out. Um other games like maybe the Celtics, how many minutes does he play? He's gonna be a matchup. Um mismatch that teams are going to want to go after and if you're playing playoff like games in the regular season uh, Grace does, is
2: does the lineup change for this run of games we're talking about then because he is the I don't think it necessarily changes I I, well, I, I don't know hope. I don't know thinking about it
1: um,
2: he'd seem like a you know a tasty treat for Luka Doncic to just work mismatches for
3: he played pretty good against Luka the first time.
2: That's that's fair. Against the Warriors, that would seem like a game where you would go Drew Javon. Uh
1: yeah. No. I, I don't experience. know. I think
2: there's I think there's games on here. Um, uh, I think there's games coming up where I wonder, do we see some more? Because that that was part of the conversation last week, too. It's like, are we gonna see A more fluid fifth spot where there are some matchup choices made. I, or is it the point, like, for example, to take the Christmas Day game? If we think that come the playoffs, Bud would want Javon starting, does that guarantee that Grayson will start on Christmas Day?
3: Maybe. I don't know. I, I think there's ways to go about it where you don't necessarily have to change your starting lineup, but the rotation will change because it's not about how you start, it's about how you finish. Blah, blah, blah. But that certainly kind of um, shows Bud's hand in terms of who he truly trusts in games like that of uh, down the stretch if it, if it is tight because I would like to see a competitive Christmas game.
2: I'm going to go Javon, but I don't feel good about it for this question. It's a very good, difficult question to answer. I think it's really close. From a David Dunn 21, have we ever in our lifetimes been in a better position? Locked in a two-horse race with a wordy historical rival, a title already in the back pocket, Jan is still in his prime, the last effective year of Chris with a deep bench. If we play excellently, we will win. If not, we won't. Uh there's obviously, of course, some things I'm gonna push back on in here. Uh Mr. Dunn cannot just sneak some things mid-question and not have them addressed. This is not necessarily the last effective year of Chris with a deep bench at all. Like it's possible. It's also possible he's not effective this year, if you want to take that view of it. But I'm I'm gonna side with that he will be effective this year and you probably get another year to two where that's the case. I think he's coming back. So I mean, just to add to that for anybody, he'll be coming back. Whether we'll ultimately be happy with his contract by the time it finishes, I think is kind of irrelevant. You're going to need to bring him back to have all your options open to you to keep the best team in the now and also have a significant salary if you wanted to upgrade and get younger at some point. i i don't know like does the having a title in the back pocket really matter for being in a better position because i mean a pretty good position is when you're number one seed and you're racing away from the pack even if the bucks didn't manage to convert some of those um if if the real heart of this is is this as entertaining as it gets like is this is exciting where it's I don't, I, I, this means more to you and I too, and to someone like David on 21 than I think a lot of people. Like, I know we care that the books, one of their few real historical rivals are the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And that does matter in a recent context too. So I think younger fans do feel that way about the Celtics, but it is also, and I mean, when I say one of the few, they are the book's greatest rival. Like, uh, there is no doubt about that throughout history. They are. The only team to have beaten the books in an NBA Finals, they were the bane of the books' existence throughout much of the '80s, and they have even denied the books on occasions throughout the Giannis era. Obviously, last year being the most notable example. So, I find that exciting and thrilling. As long as the books start to come out on the right side of the rivalry a little bit more. Um. I don't know. It's a good place to be. It's a fun place to be. By you picking up the microphone when I asked you about the Celtics earlier, I do think it must excite you more than some of the recent seasons and how things were shaping up were.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I would definitely say it's Celtics-driven. As much as the pain of the Raptors' conference finals loss, I don't think they'll ever see the Raptors in a very considerable way again. In that, in the conference finals, in the conference finals, I
2: know. I want to beat our brains victory.
3: in. I know, I want. I want that as well.
2: I want, I want another um, extinction event with the Raptors, Jordan.
3: And the Bucks pay their their dues against the Heat too. That's another they they lose to the Heat in the bubble and a, very manufactured product. Um, and everybody thought the Heat were the team of the future. They are not. The the Bucks shut the uh, door on that. Sorry, everybody thought. I don't know. Jimmy uh, Beller got Mikelob light commercials right after it. So
2: I've always yeah. thought they were frauds. I hate them. Hate their players. Never a fan. Never thought they were good. Stung particularly when they beat the Bucks in the bubble. But Team of the Future, they were always the team of the past.
3: Yeah. Team of the past.
2: What kind of what kind of NBA future has Unannis Haslam got, aside from probably like I don't know, five He know. Jason years.
3: Tatum not that long ago. Uh,
2: how did that go?
3: <laughs> that went horribly wrong. Um yeah. So yeah, the Celtics are are the Bucks rivals of many eras. Um 70s, 80s, the 90s and today. Um the and, 90s? No. I would say that like a like a, a radio station. Um sorry. Uh so yeah, I think this is Again, and the other thing too, this is probably the most at ease, I say that personally, I'm not saying this for anybody else, that I will ever be as a Bucks fan of. You have a championship? I
2: disagree. Course? I think that's last year.
3: I still feel it though now.
2: Yeah, but it's, you're, you're more like, I think collectively, I, I think it's true of everyone. There is a level of re-engagement this year that is slightly different because you do lose and you have the disappointment of that and you've got to go back and get it again. Not that anyone didn't want to go back to back, but I just winning one was so foreign to us. The idea of it was truly beyond belief that it's like there was definitely something. I We can't speak for the players. I don't know, although there have been. I mean, players have spoken for themselves somewhat on that over time. I just I think there is like with how it went down with the Celtics and with Chris being out and then the Celtics being really good and if it does end up one-two with separation this year, we are gonna want to beat them more than anyone. I, I don't think there's gonna be anything that chill about that. I think it's look, it's chill in December with a schedule like the Bucks have had recently. I do think. Even the likes of you and I, Jordan, may just uh, like the next then that run of games I outlined earlier coming up for the books. I think there's some there's some more intrigue, tension, nerves that will go into that than anything we felt last year between. I mean, probably right up till they played the Celtics. Like I, I do think it's it's started to come back. So you, ca- it's how you feel. So I'll let you if you want to continue with that. I'll take your word, but I even think last year, like it was hard to get you to talk about anything current with the books because your whole bit was, well, they won a championship. The NBA is over now. <laughs> <laughs> I I uh... think you're you're slightly more engaged this year. Than the level of like so chilled out you were just you were horizontal for all of last year you were so chilled out that is true i was the horizon event horizon um
3: that is true i i agree with that but there is still something of like the catharsis and the ripple effects of of winning a championship still exists in terms of like you see what has what it's been like, and what you are chasing again. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they that the Bucks are going to win one again. I certainly hope that they will, because again, this is the best chance that they're going to have to do it uh, <laughs> in quite a long time, probably. Um, but it does. It would be a lot different if it's like this constant Charlie Brown about to kick a football and Lucy pulling it away.
2: Kind yeah, of thing. but. You are
3: like like the Celtics, like
2: the Celtics that they're going, yeah. Okay, well, sure, we're past that, but you are not just a student of books history, you may be the student of books history, Jordan, at this point. We don't want another era like this to go by one championship. Like, I I I agree, I feel that more pressingly. Like, you've got to, and everyone, I guess, probably should, but I don't know if people really. I don't, it's something I always wrestle with. Does the average fan actually think about a franchise beyond the very immediate? Like even younger fans now, do they? They probably don't realize just how lucky they are. But do they at least understand just how barren it had to get? How long that wait really is? Like you can say things like fifty years, and it's like yeah, cool. But to actually like you've got to cash in because <laughs> the Kareem Giannis pipeline, like if, if that's what it takes for a books type organization to win a championship,
3: I'll be dead by then.
2: <laughs> legitimately, <laughs> we may never see it again. Cause there isn't even, you're lucky to have those two guys come along 50 years apart. Like, yeah. so I would like to see them cash in with more than one. And it's also, that's, that's how you change that trajectory so you don't have to wait 50 years for another generational like this is the the spurs thing and obviously the spurs have reached a point now that is going to put a test to that unless they get webiniana and then can really bounce back in the most dramatic way possible but if you want to become an organization that is just like a symbol of winning that can extend your window as long as possible and maybe even transcend that into the next generation and also to be fair to the spurs i mean it if Kawhi didn't decide to leave when he did, well, the Spurs would, Uh, his injuries, like they may still have been the Spurs that they were, but you can only do that. You can only reframe how players think about your team long-term by winning championships. I think one is good and being in the mix every year is good, but then it may not even take for Giannis to be gone. It could be when Brooke is gone, when Chris is gone, if there is a drop-off and all of a sudden, oh yeah, the books are really good, but they are a four seed every year. Then the end, like the finish line for competitiveness, really comes into view. So I, I want, in a really big way. Maybe I'm greedy, Jordan, but I want another championship, and I want it. I want it this year.
3: I think it's very fair. Um, The other thing too is like I remember going. I went to a game this year, and they had the best record of the basically of the Bud era, and the Bucks were at the top. And yeah you have one championship to, to to speak to the greatness of this this era and span of time um yeah there's there's, would... there's
2: two championships that I mean you're not gonna win everyone when you're the best team, but they've let two go when they were the yeah. best team in the n b a and they couldn't get it done.
3: I'll give them one'
2: cause... I mean I know I know one of those isn't even a half championship, but yeah um
3: but yeah, I mean, having another championship would. This is that would make them a dynasty. I mean, they've been to two conference finals over four, uh, four years of Bud. They do it again this year, and they make it to the final somehow. You can't. You cannot talk about this era without talking about the Bucks, and that's ultimately probably the biggest um, thing that you get with the. This again, we're talking about legacy. Legacy of players, legacy of the team itself, legacy of coaches, um, on and on and on and on, and yeah, it's you want to be greedy because again, you never know when this is going to
2: happen again. Yeah, it is also when you talk about like situating a team within an era. It's only the Warriors and the Heat, like who've done that in the past decade or into a new decade. But here's the 2010s. That's it. They're the only teams who managed to win multiple championships. And there's no dispute of how iconic those two teams are. Like, to get the books into that kind of territory that... Well, I don't know. When people talk about, well, who's the second best team of the Warriors era? The Cavs are going to have a very good claim to that, even though they only got one because they were the rival going back and forth for... Four straight years, right? Yeah, yep. But if you got two championships out of it at a time where like Warriors won a championship last year, I, I think that really means something. I think that would be fun and interesting and a good place for the books to stand. Very obvious what I'm saying. It would be a good place for the books to be to have two championships in three years. Well, let's just let's just go and do the thing. Uh, from at Calvin Willie. Joe Ingles' return seems closer than ever after he was assigned to the Herd. When he does return, which other four players would you like to see him play in a lineup with the most and why? This is easy for me. Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Brooke Lopez. Boom. My answer as well. I want to see what it's like to have... One, a shooter. I mean, an elite shooter at his best but also someone who sees the floor the way he does, an extra playmaker out there with that kind of group offensively. Um, If you can get the best versions of Giannis, Drew, and Brooke, certainly on defense, probably cover over some of the concerns there. But that could be the most kind of supercharged offensive five we've seen in the Boonehuzer era. Absolutely. I mean, maybe there's a case to be made for swapping out, like, I don't know, Bobby for Brooke. It doesn't quite feel that for me, or maybe there's a version where it's like Giannis at the five and Grayson and Pat, but I think we know we know what lineups for the books tend to function best, and I, I do think your four locked-in starters plus Joe Ingles is a group that I would be very excited to see what that looks like offensively.
3: Yeah. It's, without a doubt, <clears throat> the, the the card that they have yet to play in their back pocket. Um, the, just thinking of that possibility of just a five-man lineup like that, that has size, has plenty of ball handling, playmakers shooting, even defensively, I, I think there's... I bet there are some people that feel like, oh, Ingles is definitely going to get targeted, or Chris could e- even get targeted. It's still that is the that's a really big lineup in itself, and you have Brooke patrolling the middle. You have Drew hounding other ball handlers and point guards or whatever the case may be. Um, that right there is that's that is it. That is why all the talk about Jay Crowder or any other wing that they want to go after and all that stuff. There's a reason why they have yet to play it, and it's because it all hinges on seeing Joe Ingles healthy and see him play with their four core guys, their four starters, um, the dividends can just be tremendous. Um, and yeah, I, I am very excited to see him play with those four starters.
2: From at Eli Simansky-Tree, what's your biggest concern heading into the rest of the year slash playoffs? What are you most excited about with this team so far? I have no real concerns other than health. That's can we get everyone healthy? Can we stay healthy through the season? If I think if the Bucks can stay healthy throughout the NBA season, they're NBA champions. That's that's my opinion. If you can get it that you're healthy enough to be able to ramp up the rest of the regular season to really work out all the things you want to, and then you stay healthy in the playoffs, I think this is the best team in the NBA. Um. That's very difficult to do, and you've not a whole lot of control over it a lot of the time. So we'll see how that goes. What am I most excited about? I guess the prospect of the books potentially being healthy the rest of the season. That would be that be my answer to that too. So it's just all based on health. We're a few years into this books team. I know there are new faces. Joe Ingalls being an example of that. Even Javon, I guess, still being an example of that to some extent. Grayson probably too but we know we know what this team can do we know the general kind of level that they can reach let's just see them stay healthy and have a chance to do it again healthy
3: stay healthy my god please stay healthy um yeah that is dealing with an older team right now all that stuff there's nothing else that would excite me more than to see this team healthy and Do what they can, what seems very achievable. And by saying that, I want them to win an NBA title, and that is the hardest thing you can do.
2: Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, stay healthy. Please, for the love of God, stay healthy. From at Trust and Horst, is there any universe where Brooke Lopez isn't an all star this year? Also, is he the first center to have his best year ever at 34 years old? I think the universe where Procopas isn't an all star this year is uh, this universe. Yes. Like, he's not going to be voted in as the starting center. And will there be another center on the East roster after that? Because there doesn't have to be. I would say probably not. And you're not going to get a guy in very easily who's averaging, was he in the region of 15, six, and three with the tree being it's blocked? Pretty good. It's really good um it's more points than he's scored generally with the books too but i like he probably needs he probably needs more rebounds for just a very rudimentary way that i feel these boxes get checked like being the the front runner for defensive player of the year is not more likely to get you in an all-star game or to have adam silver pick you as a replacement or anything like that so I no one would love it more than me I think that's that's well established, but I could not see that happening. Unless uh, Brook goes on a tear the next three months and his average is like about 18 points and rebounds are on the rise too. But that's not his game. It's not what he's asked you with the books, He he does the dirty work, so others get the boards. Uh, is he the first center to have his best every year at 34 years old? I'm going to say no on that because there have definitely been centers who have aged very well. I mean, is he a center anymore? Was he a center at his prime was always a debate, but in terms of bigs, Al Horford uh, is mm. having a really strong kind of past year plus now where a version of himself that's probably the best version. I, I would disagree with that, having watched prime Al Horford absolutely wrecked stuff with the Hawks. Yeah, but but I, I could see how people would make the argument, and I guess that's similar to Brook. Like, if you're watching the, the New Jersey Nets, as it was for most of his time there every night, and Brook is, like, putting up 25, 30 points with real regularity and grabbing more rebounds at that point, too, you might feel, look, I know he does more now. I know he's a player who impacts winning more, but that's the best version of him. That's tough. I'll just take this being the best version of him as a book and be – unbelievably grateful for it particularly considering where we were last season
3: yeah um to the all-star question i don't i they have so much focus on Giannis, even drew drew you could probably make a better case to make it into the all-star um team this year probably um there's Other centers that are going to get
2: it, Joel. Allen B is that's they that's the center now, like, yeah. there's not a guarantee of anyone beyond one, and that one will be Joel Embiid and these.
3: If the Pacers play as well as they have been, Miles Turner might be a coach's pick.
2: Get out of here! I'm just you, and your, you and your Pacers again, like, get out of here. I'm just saying, just saying, Miles Turner is not getting in either. If Miles Turner Seven, gets in, then I'll be angry.
3: 17 8. Um, how many blocks per game? Uh, fewer than
2: Brook Jordan. I think it's 2.5, or... shooting forty percent, forty one
3: point five blocks. On
2: unserious numbers, Jordan, I only pay attention to the players averaging two point nine ish blocks. I think Brook has dropped below three at the moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. yeah, I I don't don't see it. And that's, I think this is a problem. Like, I don't know. I, again, this could not be more on brand for me. I don't know why the NBA just completely did away with the idea of centers for ballots because, oh, well, teams aren't playing that well. Well, guess what? The league has shifted back and now you're not yeah. giving those players a chance to be recognized as often as you should do. That's bad. Uh, not a fan of that. So I, I think that was a response to, I can't have Roy Hibbert starting all-star games. It's like, if he's the best center in a conference, you should start the All-Star game. This is how it works. And I do think we have pivoted back to something that is much closer to that. And as much as in theory, it's like, oh, well, the current system is better equipped to adapt to, well, if it's a center's league at that moment, maybe you can get those guys in easier or you can get more of them on the roster. Uh, in reality, though, the most popular players are not centers. And uh, when voting factors into this, you're just going to... It's it's stacked against them. Um, I mean, another center, I, I think a center with a better case in terms of how this stuff is picked is probably Jared Allen. Slightly fewer points than Brook, but just under 11 rebounds per game. I can see that. I can see that. But I, I don't think he'll get it either. Like, so... The system is flawed, just as for centers. That's what I'm saying.
3: George Mikan is rolling
1: over in his grave right
2: now. that trust the horse. <laughs> if the Lazarus sell their share of ownership to an international group who's willing to pay like Warriors ownership, how would you feel about it? Um. Well, that's going to depend on who the international ownership group are, or where their money comes from. And I, I guess this is somewhat inspired by the NBA's. uh let's, if we're putting a very generously sovereign. relaxing of rules that would allow sovereign wealth or state wealth funds to invest in NBA teams. There are still limits on that though, that I, I don't know what it's achieving really either way. Because I think it's pretty limited percentages, which I don't think any of those sovereign wealth funds are interested in buying an NBA team to have or well, not buying it. Having twenty five percent of an NBA team, thirty percent of an NBA team, when they can just go and buy an entire Premier League football club or major European football club. I, I don't think I don't think we've reached the point of that of this yet where that's going to happen. But I wouldn't bet it on it taking very long after his first concession. um, I also, the, the one thing I will generally note, it's not entirely universal. I think Newcastle in the Premier League is an interesting test case for somewhere that is certainly more regional, all of a sudden being owned by Saudi Arabia and having that kind of wealth at their disposal. But even if you're taking football club soccer clubs as your example you've got Paris Saint-Germain so you've got Paris one of the three major cities in the world um even if it wasn't sovereign wealth if you look at kind of Roman Abramovich's oil money when that into the Chelsea you've got a London club and then Manchester is in the second third city in the UK kind of conversation so someone coming in which is like you know what Blank checkbook and we own the Milwaukee books feels very unlikely for me, particularly as this is probably still two to three years away from being the thing that happens at that point. Giannis is closer to the end of his career and he is the beginning of his career. And the incentive to buy the books probably decreases too, but who knows? I mean, you've only got 30 teams. And if this all of a sudden became the game where all of those kind of sovereign wealth funds wanted to own their own team, I mean, it's possible. I just also think compared to in Europe and the idea of that happening with football clubs, I know (laughs) we're getting into deeper waters here than I expected. I know uh, US-Saudi relations are pretty strong right now in ways that are certainly benefiting the US and uh, oil prices, and that's a key driver in that. But I, I do wonder how unchecked the us government would be comfortable with many of the most influential sporting organizations in the country all of a sudden being owned by foreign governments i i feel like there leaks can say one thing but i think when that actually starts to ratchet up i would not be surprised if there's a if there's some kind of kerfuffle and we see some some government kind of stances taken on well, do we want the entire NFL owned by Middle Eastern governments?
1: Yeah. um, I don't really have anything useful to add to this conversation.
3: It is a, it is a big topic, though. I'm certainly keeping my eye on it because of what is going on um, and just relaxing rules that,
2: They are seemingly. You'll you'll uh, agree with me though that the books are way down the list. Like that's the one thing you can say. Like, if you are Saudi Arabia, for example, and you decide you want to own an NBA franchise, I think you go by the Knicks. Or I mean, we know some of the the financial troubles the Lakers actually have. Like the that's a an ownership group that isn't exactly at its most flush when it comes to. being kind of cash-ready, being solvent at the moment, that's where you go and you pick things off. Or maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe North Korea, Jordan, maybe they've got their eyes on, you know, the Chicago Bulls, the favorite franchise of North Korea. Like, I, I just <laughs> think there's there's other teams in the kind of really cliched way that will attract that first. Much the same way, as I said, Paris Saint-Germain, I think is in it. Not a football power, but anyways, France is not the place, but Paris is a city of major influence where if you can elevate your organization there, there's an extra level of cultural capital that comes from being in city X, city Y, which we know Milwaukee isn't, and possibly for the better as this situation plays out down the line.
3: True, but I, I also think it's a matter of when things are purchased and what when when teams are sold. I don't think people give a crap if it's Milwaukee or not. They look at that, oh, that is the team that Giannis was on.
2: I think that's that's the old fashioned way of I think you're having a very American sports fan view of processing how a team gets purchased, because the levels of money sure. we're talking about here would make every team in the NBA for sale. Yeah. It's it's not like someone having, oh, well, who can afford to buy the Lakers? Well, these guys can afford to buy any team. like They can make the offer that no one can refuse, and they can pick their market. And it would be much more beneficial if that was a kind of approach that was taken, and we we're going to see sports watching play out in that way, where it's like, yeah, let's be the team in New York. How about that? How about we are able to uh, promote country X front and center in New York, Madison Square Garden, that belongs to us. You know what I mean? I I think that's a factor that is detached from what is you're like you're correct. It's usually, well, there's only 30 of these teams, and when one comes up, you've got to take your chance. I do not think that this is how the next evolution of NBA owners would necessarily work because you're talking money that is beyond what private individuals or groups or consortiums can generally think of to go and get a team.
3: But we got the bronze fans. Do they want the bronze fans?
2: I don't know. (laughs) That's Jordan saying. Let's go to a different (laughs) question. From James Ontario Twelve, let's play a game called Resign, Trade, and Wave for the Bucks. Bobby, Pat Connaughton, and Javon. You have to choose one different action for each
1: of the three players. Um resign trade and wave
2: yes i mean this is not necessarily even just about ability because other things have to factor into it i would be waving javon because he has the least valuable contract yeah i mean i i guess depends how way in some ways his contract is more valuable yeah Yeah. maybe well he doesn't have Lent on it either so uh that's that's certainly a factor too
1: I'd re-sign Pat and trade Bobby. Mm. I'd re-sign Bobby and trade
2: Pat. I think that checks out what people would expect from both. (laughs) From a weaponized size, the last few weeks, Giannis' rebounding has looked flat to me. Have you noticed this? Is this something to worry about? I think he's looked kind of flat from an energy level. Maybe some of that is also that, like, we talked about how effortless his offense is earlier. Maybe the game's too easy for him now, Jordan. Uh, maybe he needs a challenge. He needs, like, the, it will be interesting to see even if this next stretch brings an extra something out of Janos because the challenge will be all that greater. I do think his effort has been down. I do think it's reasonable to assume, given that absolutely... Astronomical usage rate that Jordan referenced earlier, like that's part of the reason for his defense not being as locked in and his rebounding possibly not being where it can otherwise be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think
3: there's been such a burden placed on him to start the year that it's going to change over time. Um, obviously, I want more and more and more from Yash because, again, the statement that he said himself, he's always has to achieve the highest bar or reach the highest bar more so um yeah i think it's more of like the it's the fundamentals of like he gets boxed out on an offensive board and you know easy two points at the at the rim it's stuff like that that bothers me more than like raw rebounding numbers and obviously that would be affected by that if he was more of that way but i don't know it's such a hard to again <laughs> I'm talking about someone that has the ball two out of five possessions or, or two out of f- every two out of five possessions it's any with Giannis scoring turning it over or assisting um, he just is such a mammoth presence in the Bucks offense and obviously defensively he just needs to kind of hold his own lock in when needed um, and just kind of not catch a breath but do what he can <laughs> while averaging however many minutes he's averaging so yeah there's going to be some flaws that you're going to point out but on the whole uh still pretty pretty good
2: all right jordan let's bring this thing home it's time for mike dunlap's <sighs> tweet of the week
3: do we re are we reintroducing who mike dunlap is are we re reestablishing?
2: Mike Dunlap is an assistant coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, a former NBA head coach with the Charlotte Bobcats, a head coach at the college level, a head coach overseas, and quite the wordsmith. Yes, if you did, if you didn't hear the conversation on this front on last week's episode, is pretty much the last twenty minutes of the previous episode of Winning Six. Go back, check it out. Uh, one, it is worth your listening to, and two, you'll you'll be fully on top of what this is going forward because it's a new regular segment. On that note, over to you,
1: Jordan. Coaching, time
3: sacrifice, immersion. Incredibly important to be ultra organized as time blocks for life. Priorities get challenged. Warning. Someday you don't want to wake up and find yourself alone, shredded by what you thought was important. Yep, can happen to anyone. Mike Dunlap very existential there were other contenders of course Um, i
2: i don't i think you've made a mistake here i again is it i do i is it because that particular tweet personally attacks me that i don't like it yes that is possible um that that was not what i can i can i I propose a couple of other contenders i mean i don't know if this is a democracy so you've already spoken but i think these should, should also these should be given some some spotlight yes Freedom. <laughs> Thrown around like it is God-given right. Fiddler plays the tune of responsibility. Paying dues to obtain freedom, most important part of the equation. Like getting up early, hitting the tread, lifting, portion control at dinner table. You want to look and feel good? Equals workout.
3: That is like Christian Bale in <laughs> <an> American Psycho. <laughs> You listen to Huey Lewis in the
1: news. There's another one too. There's a lot of freedom.
2: I mean, you a, mean up a certain... storm. I, I wonder who said something about freedom. And to be clear, this is freedom in a coaching sense. All of these tweets are only about coaching. They could be applied to your life more generally though. Um, I do have another one, which was a personal favorite of mine. Personal preference. I like a big coaching a big. However, like saying a fat man can't coach athletes or a woman can't coach a man and so forth. In short bracket, pun intended, close bracket, I spent many years with Pete Newell's big man camp so I could be better at coaching bigs. Just a thought. Ellipsis. I favorite. like a big coaching a big. Big. However, like saying a fat man can't coach athletes or a woman oh. can't coach a man and so forth. It's look. <laughs> the man is cooking out here on Twitter, Jordan.
3: <laughs> These are my favorite 10 minutes of my week now. <laughs> um I I have to do the other one because there's another one that kind of let's just this is like a Mr. Rogers. I gotta leave you with a piece of wisdom. Standalone comments can resonate in silence, meaning sometimes no counter or confirmation needed. Being a good listener without interruption, a quality habit that takes years of practice. Yep, you can confirm another's observation non-verbally
2: or verbally. A choice. We are on a podcast, so you... Well, fortunately, we cannot confirm another's observation <laughs> non-verbally or verbally. If I just silently nodded for the rest of the podcast and the music came in, people would probably be confused. Uh, are you sticking uh, with your original choice for Tweets of the week, so? I think
3: this segment is has shifted into Mike Dunlap tweets of the week. Uh, okay.
2: <laughs> so, in true Jordan Tresky fashion, you just you can't pick a winner. Is that? I can't
3: pick a winner. There's too much gold every,
2: everywhere. All right. That does it for Mike the Love Tweets of the Week. Uh, that does it for this episode of Win at Six. Make sure you never miss an episode. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That's the Eurostep Podcast Network. That feed will give you every episode of Win at Six. with Myself and Jordan, plus every episode of the Eurostep with Tywinish and Ron Caddy. We've got Talk of the Tundra for all things Green Bay Packers. Jordan and Numak. Talk all things Green Bay Packers over there. Who does not currently have an insatiable appetite for all things Green Bay Packers? I will. I'll be sincere about it. I'm sure people are tuning in. Christian Watson is just doing his thing. Destroyer of Worlds. A reason for people not to completely give up on the Packers yes. this season. Much needed. Absolutely. Much appreciated. Um, Cruiser for a bruising. Myself and Andrew Snyder. Business is booming over a Cruising for a bruising. Uh, which is more than can be said for what's happening inside the Milwaukee Brewers front office during winter meetings and the offseason more generally. People are listening. Are the Brewers giving us anything to talk about? Not really. No, they're they're on their own timeline. They they have their own free agency, like window, Jordan. You know, it's they don't be march to the beat of everyone else's drum. They do their own thing.
3: They uh, do the Rule Five drafts
2: yeah that's that's where the real teams get business done all things brewers on cruiser for bruising and over at make time for this andrew and i are continuing to uh, cover the world cup round by round we talk movies there we talk music from time to time we talk tv so for all your pop culture and other things on gspn make time for this is the place am i forgetting anything jordan i
3: don't think so
2: GSPN.info, if I am, that gets you links to all of our different podcasts, to the GSPN merch store, to get access to the Discord, whatever it might be, it's all in there. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, John. Thank you.